Hello and welcome to episode 71 of Booze, Booms and Busts, the podcast where we quaff a few beers while discussing market events, amongst many other things. My name is Boaz Shoshan and I'm joined as ever by Sam Volkering. Sam, how are you getting on this evening? Good evening, my friends. Uh, I'm getting on well and I'm looking forward to discussing more about the markets this week. We've, we've, been, we've been a bit light on, admittedly, about actual market events, but I mean... There's so much ground to cover today that uh, I think this is going to be one of our finer, robust financial and economic discussions. Yeah, I mean, I do confess our last few podcasts at the beginning of this year have been, it's been like we've just been going through the the festive season hangover and we're just talking about anything and everything. You can tell Uh, we just switched off from life completely. Yeah, which, you know, is, uh, I think, perfectly understandable. But uh, I do apologize to any listeners who were uh, bored by our drunken ramblings. Yeah, uh, we do have an enormous amount of ground to cover. Uh, probably not even going to manage it in this episode. However, this week has been a wild week. A wild, wild week indeed. You know, at the time of this recording, we've got, you know, an enormous, uh, well, I mean, tech is just getting, uh, you know, thrown up and down. Loads of people who've uh, you know tried to take advantage of it too late. They've gotten their asses handed to them either on the long side or the short side. Uh, and you know, Bitcoin, which is our, which we always end up coming back to one way or another, is uh, you know in the at right now in the middle of this incredible surge back higher after getting its ass handed to it. Uh, <laughs> all manner of things we go to geopolitical stuff, uh, Ukraine, Russia, um, oil. I mean, there's there's so much we could cover. But Sam, I'll, I'll let you lead the way, maybe uh, while discussing the first beer you have for this evening. Yeah, well, the first one I'm uh, diving into <laughs> is interestingly called the Utopian, um, which we are far, far from, <laughs> from, from that. Um, it's a Vienna Keller Lager, naturally brewed with 100% British ingredients. Uh, 4.8%. And this is from Utopian Brewing. Um, well, there you go. It, it, it's got all the indications that it is not from here, but it is 100% from the UK. Devon, there you go. Utopian Brewing Company in Devon. It's like an inverse sleeper agent. So it's trying to make you think it's foreign, but actually it's, it's as domestic as it comes. It's that, what was that story recently? And this is not how I really wanted to kick it off, but was that that Chinese spy had in, infiltrated uh, the British parliament? Uh, have there, there have been quite a few of those over the years. Is this a very recent story? Yeah, in which this case is a I recent one. It's like, a, it's like it had just been uncovered. It's like, it's Chinese spy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know the one. I know. Yeah, it's the, it's the lady who had a lot of connections to uh, a few MPs. That's right, um, yeah. And, and yeah, like yeah. donated a shit ton of money uh, towards them as well. In the interests of expanding UK-China trade, you know, very... I'm sure it had all the right, uh, all the right PR, all the right marketing on the brass plate office where they operated out of. Very, uh, very good. But Sam, you know, uh, we have gone slightly off the rails already here. <laughs> it didn't, uh, it where took, were you originally going to take us? It took 30 seconds. I mean, well, I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna bring up the idea. Wow, and this, you know, a bit of the elephant in the in the room is, um, you know, <laughs> recently in the like, in the last couple of days. Some um, some pictures of a younger Kathy Wood have surfaced. Oh no! <laughs> and, here we go. And and the internet is the internet has worked itself into a tiz. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna steer away from from those pictures. If anyone's interested, um, you know it's not not too hard to find. Um, you know I'm just I mean, I'm just just throwing it out there. 
but we 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 have to talk about the the arc etf because <laughs> this is this is the this is the poster child of 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 a of a bull run this is this is like when they when they write the movie about the big short of 2020s whatever if it comes now whatever interestingly enough the big short was trending on netflix the other day and i was just like oh give me fucking strength um mm. but anyway it it Kathy Woods Arc ETF has been decimated because of the the I guess the route the annihilation of overvalued loss making tech stocks in the US um, and and the question I have and the question I'm running through my head is is at this point with I think it was like it was like around the low seventy dollars at this point so it's been it's more than halved from where it was just a, a, a couple of months ago. Uh, does this is this a is this a falling knife? Should we even bother trying to catch it? Is is there some inherent value in some of these stocks now? Like when I look at the tech the, the sort of the list of tech stocks, even a company like Peloton that's just been fucking destroyed uh, recently, do these now start to look a little attractive for the long term investor? I mean, you can't. It's 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 hard for me to 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 sit here and just go. No, no, no. Just wait, just wait, just wait. They they look. Some of them look a little sexy to me now. A bit like some of those early pictures of Kathy Wood. <laughs> yeah, I um the to the topic of Arc. Everyone has hated on Arc for a long time, and Arc has managed, and indeed Kathy Wood. I mean, Kathy Wood has been hated on for an mm. awfully long time. Uh, uh, yeah, in a lot of ways, I think uh, quite unreasonably, um, where people are just attacking her because she's she's well she's number one she's you know a very high profile woman in the asset management space and at the same time uh she has an investing uh style that's very extreme i, I would argue that incredible and, conviction and yeah and which has paid off for a long time and it's uh, proved a lot of the haters wrong uh until now and you know what all of the uh, everyone has said for uh, well a lot of the doomsayers have said you know this is this is an etf that's full of overvalued crap and it's going to zero or whatever, you know, whatever the, the, the traditional um, short seller lingo would be. Uh, however, yeah, um, ARC is just another, it's another token you can take for what's going on in the tech sector as a whole. So tech is really starting to get uh, feel the heat in a lot of ways. Uh, we've got inflation, we've got uh, a Fed that has been successfully managed to market itself as being hawkish. Mm. Uh, and the big question is whether or not the Fed will uh, will uh, shit the bed because oh man the stock market's going down. I, mean, I like the way I like the way you said that. I like the way you said that. We can't that. allow like Nancy way... Pelosi's portfolio to 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 dump. Okay, she's got calls on a lot of these tech names. They must they must be in the money. Uh, so I think um, I think the big question is whether or not this is this is it. But that's always the question whenever there's a big. Uh, a correction I, I hate the word correction oh, it's shit. not a, i never feel it it's effective it adequately describes the environment but it's the question is is this just another buy the dip opportunity for the tech investor who has you know so meticulously and studiously done so and with increasing ferocity over recent years is this just another opportunity for this person to load up and these these names to become even more ridiculously valued when we get this next return or has something finally changed uh and i don't know as, as is often the case you know i don't know uh but i do feel i think it could be that this is finally um 
this is finally the the market's trying trying to appreciate inflation a bit more but who knows mm, i i like so i i tend to think that this is not like you say i hate the word correction i was <laughs> I'm probably not doing myself any favors today, but I, I had um, Bloomberg on in the background because of I was just interested to see what their commentary would be like um, leading into the Fed meeting today. And um, the amount of times I've heard the terms dovish and hawkish in the last 10 hours is fucking obscene. <laughs> and um, what, what's the other one that absolutely does my tits in? Oh, um, uh, new paradigm. Oh, Ooh, a new just shivers just thinking about it. Um, but back to the RKTF, right? So my, my view on things is that she's getting an absolute pasting from the market and the funds getting absolute hiding because there are a lot of stocks in their ETF there that um, have had massive, massive peelbacks. Like, so they hold, I'm looking at their holding list right now. So there's 43 stocks in their holdings biggest at te- biggest is tesla with a one billion dollar market cap value as of literally as of today so that these are all based on current prices the smallest is a company called iAvance biotherapeutics uh they're holding huh, okay maybe this you wouldn't maybe necessarily classify this as holding their holding of iAvance is two thousand one hundred and ninety nine dollars um, Wow. It was bigger than that a, a couple of weeks ago. Trust me, I remember looking at this list. So they've obviously sold off a shitload of iAvance. Um, but there are some companies in here, right, that I can't help but look at and think, these aren't the kinds of companies that are going to see their values get decimated um, and they're going to zero and then they'll never recover. So, you know, we're talking about, so what's a good example here? So there's a couple in here. So Coinbase is in there. Block Inc. is in there. Now, for me, these are going to be two of the stronger pillars of global finance over the next 10 years. Block Inc. Square in particular. Um, There are some others in there. So DraftKings. You know, a lot of people hate on DraftKings, but with legalized gambling and sports betting opening up across the the US, quite possibly just becoming, you know, an open door for federally. You know, that's, that's another really interesting play that they've got in there. Palantir Technologies, for all the shtick and hate that Palantir get, they're not going to fucking <laughs> disappear. Um, so there got are some- that government money. Exactly right. Uh, Roblox as well, for instance. You know, people who don't understand what Roblox is and how many people play it and the kinds of money that it generates, they, they just look at it and just go, it's just a fucking game for kids. Far from it. Far from it. So I think it's one of those things where- you can work your way through the ETF. And look, the, the ETF chops and changes all the time. It wasn't that long ago they didn't even have Coinbase. Now they've got a $640 million position in it. So it does move. ETFs move their holdings around all the time. Um, so you've kind of got to keep an, an active eye on it. But I think I think she's pretty much on the money. Look, you, you hear, I hear her talk a lot. And if you're a long-term investor, you know, and you don't want to have to pick stocks yourself and you don't know how to navigate this market, it's, you know, it's a pretty, pretty tough thing to, to ignore what she's been able to do in the direction it could go with a long, but you've got to have a long-term view on it. I think, I think it's worth bearing in mind the, uh, the context for ARC ETF, uh, for the ARC ETF and all it represents. I mean, if we, if we look back to the beginning of 2020, so before everyone was, uh, you know, going hysterical or when people were just starting to get hysterical about Wu flu, 
you know, the, the, the cost of a share in the RQTF trust was $52. Yeah. And now it's gotten wrecked and it's $73. Yeah. So it's really, it's mo- mostly about the mania that we've seen over the last two years. Yeah, very that's, true. There's gotten unraveled here. Yeah. So I wonder whether or not, you know, that kind of the, the euphoria that we've seen is really, it's, if it's really a big deal, if that euphoria goes away on a long-term perspective, do you or think whether or not just a reversion to Maine more than anything. Well, it could be, but it all depends on what the rest of the world does. Because I don't feel like we're completely out of the woods of all of this yeah. stuff that we've gotten over the last two years. And I'm not just uh, I'm not just talking about lockdowns or uh, you know you know vaccine passports and the uh-huh. the travel industry getting wrecked and you know all this you know enormous government spending on furlough and stimmy checks and all of their, uh, you know, various, all the various ways that gets expressed throughout the developed and the emerging world. I just don't feel that we're really out of the woods there. So how, how the tech sector behaves, I think is kind of conditional on how free everyone becomes and indeed where inflation goes, because it, mm. you know, it remains to me, inflation is very bad for tech. Uh, I would, that, that, even though the last sort of decent point we have for this is the 70s, there was still IBM back there. Uh, there was still, all, you know, there's still a few tech firms out there, much, much smaller, but they were still doing the same kind of thing in that it was a growth industry. And, uh, you know, they, you know, they had all these inputs and they had all these outputs and their, the, the business model, I believe was much, in, in a very simple form was still much the same. So, I still think inflation is going to be very bad for tech. It depends if inflation does persist. Uh, so maybe if uh, if Jerome Powell's really trying to make his mark on the world, maybe he will raise it, keep raising interest rates, and he'll really crack the Nasdaq. Um, I just doesn't feel like something uh, he would or even can do. I think. Yeah. But it depends that, on. It depends that'd on. Have to, that'd have to shift rates so so hard. Like not not like you know twenty five base points or anything like that like 50 in a hit and like five of them consecutively to even make a serious enough dent on it i don't know i think it doesn't need to be really really it doesn't need to be really rapid it just needs to be consistent uh and the more and more debt you know if we thought debt was bad before we flew uh before the lockdowns i mean it's just incredible now and the so the more debt that there is you know it's only a marginal increase in the cost of debt that it takes in order to inflict a huge amount of pain on the market. So even small rises in rates uh, are become like enormous rises in rates had they happened in, say, the 1990s, for example. Um, so, yeah, I think where it goes from there, very much remains to be seen. Uh, on, the, on the likes of things like Palantir, by the way, Sam, did I tell you I got a Palantir T-shirt? Really? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. They Palantir is so funny. Uh, it's like, well, it's, it's Palantir for those for those listening. If you're not familiar with it, it's this. It's like the bad boy of the Silicon Valley uh, companies in that they do all of this quantitative research and all of this, you know, data mining and whatever. Except it's on like citizens. Yeah. <laughs> they basically, all, I think, they have contracts with the CIA, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Or but they want everyone to think that as well. So they have all these contracts with law enforcement and with. Uh, alphabet gang you know all the intelligence agencies uh, to do various work and it's all you know top secret but i remember seeing i think it was 60 percent of their operating budget is marketing and half of it is making them look like these big bad boys um so like whether or not it's a whether or not like what they actually do whether or not it's actually like really something from the movies what you would expect etc you know you don't actually know but um 
I did, but they were selling merch this Christmas. And I was like, yo, give me some of that. So Talented I ordered a hoodie. Fanboy. Yes. Yeah. I, well, I just, I just think it's hilarious that they're selling merch. I mean, it's like, it's like, you know, if Spectre or something from James Bond was selling merch, I just had to get it. So I ordered a t-shirt and a hoodie. They were sold out of the hoodies by, you know, oh, wow. I was too late. Everyone else was dying for this sweet merch. So I only got only got the t-shirt, but uh, yeah, you I'm know gonna what? be rocking nice Palantir hoodie. That, that, the idea of Palantir selling merch just—it smells like like an Elon Musk um, playbook. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Which makes you wonder whether or not they're following the same one. And actually, the whole thing is just this big you know, smoke and mirrors show. And they're actually their their contracts with the CIA are actually like for toilet cleaning or something. It'll be it'll be the day they come out with some dude in a gimp suit to talk about yeah. his robot, and we'll know that it's actually Elon running it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be it'll be they'll be unleashing at one of these robot military robot dogs, but it'll actually just be a dog yeah. in a suit. That'll be. <laughs> it. <laughs> and someone's literally just got a roll of gaffer tape and just stuck a, yeah. a, a sniper, uh, a torch on its head, or something. Actual yeah. dog. <laughs> the other thing the, the thing um when you're talking just before that that um made me think i want to ask you this as well is okay so if tech gets wrecked in inflation what about tech that and and this is what coming back to sort of penalty and let's assume they have legitimate government contracts what about yeah. companies like that that have a big chunk of revenues coming in from government contracts yeah, I mean, time, and then this, this maybe comes back to even talking about, you know, the likes of, of Northrop and that, that, are, you know, you could call them tech stocks, you know, is, is anything that's tied, inherently tied to, to government uh, money in an inflationary period, are they actually probably then not a bad idea to start looking at? Yeah, it's a good, it's a really good question. And it was on, a, I was discussing with John Butler recently on one of our, our, our South Bank live episodes, uh, cybersecurity, uh, because yeah. so much of it is government and also blue chip corporate money and that you know it's an industry is not going anyway it doesn't matter what how high inflation goes there's still going to be people trying to steal money steal data from the from these guys uh, and so they've got access to that to, the, to those good contracts so in that inflationary environment i would anticipate and uh, as john would uh, believe too that as far as tech goes it's as defensive as tech gets so mm. in an inflationary environment if you do need to be in tech then I would I would be definitely be looking at the uh, the cybersecurity names and indeed as you say you know ones that you know like Palantir where they've got this government access government uh, really likes uh, you know government in an inflationary environment are arguably in some periods if you look like the 1970s and stuff uh, you know the the government contractors still if they've got the right kind of access they still get that money so uh, in that environment yeah it's as if you would need to be in tech I'd be looking at those kind of sectors. Inside yeah, of it. It's one of those areas that investors never really, it never really shoots the lights out when things are absolutely going, you know, bananas or in a white hot. But then you're mm. right, in, in the sort of, if you're looking for a defensive way to play, it's still a growth industry. It's, it's probably not a, not a bad way to look. I've, I've, I've covered the space for fucking forever. And it always lets me down because it never really delivers the massive performance that you're looking for, but it yeah. just kind of plods away the good ones and they just sort of do their thing. No one really understands what they actually do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's so complex. Like what's actually happening? Yeah, cybersecurity is a funny one. Uh, and Palantir, of course, is even more extreme. You get all these weird stories about people who work at Palantir. And it's like it's like this urban myth that you wonder whether or not it's a marketer that's actually just invented these stories and then just seeds them in Twitter and then pays for loads of likes so they go viral and stuff. I remember there was one saying about some guy 
who, uh, you know, this, this lady went for coffee at the same place every day on her way to work. And there was always this guy there who'd be like reading this uh, like esoteric uh, hermetic philosophy or something, some really, really out there book. And like, it turned out he was like one of the top executives at Palantir or something. You know, you get, they've got this mythos going on and you can't tell if it's bullshit or not. You know, they've got, they've got all, you know, they've got Peter Thiel's, uh, Peter Thiel's uh, funding, and he's all, he's the bad boy of financiers. He's one oh, yeah. who you know brought down Gawker and whatnot. And he's you know he's very he has some you know rather radical ideas. Uh, we we could say, and he's also big in the defense space, obviously. So it's, you know co-founded by him, or at least did he did Thiel co-found Palantir, or was he just one of the initial? I think he was one of the original seed investors. Or I something. think he might have been one of the original seed. Investors. Yeah, rather than the original guys, but yeah. Um, yeah, you just wonder what's what's is it really? Is it, it sounds really like um, I've so I've been watching The Witcher. I've, I've been watching, oh same actually, funny enough. Well, so as you know, and people that don't watch The Witcher, there's like this this guy and he goes around fighting monsters and shit. But he has this got this bard uh, tag along with him and make up all these songs about him and his his yeah. incredible feats of heroism and and fighting off monsters and he like you know gets the songs out into the community and around the world so that they sing of the great witcher it sounds like palantir's the witcher and their marketing team's just the bard that's going around to pubs just making up all these great songs about yeah. throw a coin to your palantir <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a fair, uh, fair fair metaphor i think i i've been watching the second series of the witcher as well mostly because i'm just addicted to uh, to gwent the the card game i actually deleted that from my phone recently because it was just just too much of a lure you know the dopamine they just managed to they've managed to make me hooked on that stuff and since i've deleted it it's like you know you pick up your phone and uh, you don't really it's like what am i doing with this like well, do i speak, really need this speaking of apps it's probably it's probably not a little bad segue into something i sent through to you the other day and we should probably put, put the link for the article up on um our twitter feed as well is is i, I stumbled across the the story of ibeer the app oh, yes, um, that was that originally came out when the app store launched when Apple launched the app store many, many years ago, uh, the iBeer app where, which turned your iPhone into what looked like a glass of beer. beer glass, yeah. And it was the story this, I found this fascinating and it just, it, it was just a, something that I thought was interesting to bring up about how far like, things have come in so when was that what what year was that was that 2000 i was still at school i remember some Eight, a friend of mine at school show it like doing that thing where he's like hey boys look at this and it, he just like pretended to drink from it and it drained and I, I was like holy shit like i've <laughs> never seen anything like that before oh man and you know but now it, you're looking back on it, it's like it's really strange it's uh so yeah, it's almost like that, it was a different period the thing that, bl that, that blows my mind about it all is that that was one of the early early apps and yeah remember and, the lighter there was the lighter yeah, as well yeah i mean there were, it was just heaps of gimmicky gimmicky novelty shit that didn't really do anything it was just like oh wow look at that that's cool but this phone has really an accelerometer yeah yeah just tapped into the technology in the phones but that the 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 debut of the app store if you think about about that entire about the whole app economy now and yeah. everything that exists through apps on our smartphones that kind of really started with things like iBeer. And now, you know, like Uber, for example, like Uber, Uber is not, Uber isn't anything without, without its app. With, without the app economy, Uber is nothing. Airbnb, these, these companies that are built around an application 
on your phone, just a little, you know, thumbnail widget thing and bang you're in and all of a sudden you you're connecting with this grand economy that started just from the idea that you know you could take software and put it into a tiny little fucking smartphone computer uh, and carry it around with you everywhere i mean that i was just it was interesting to go back i remember ibs so vividly as, as everyone does that had a smartphone and the guy that did invented it he said he was making you know it was like at its peak like 20 grand a day from uh, sales of ibia and, and now, you know, it's, and it just makes me think about, so if, if that's sort of, you know, if, if let's say today is the, the debut of iBeer and everything that comes over the next 10 years, what does, what does the app economy look like over the next 10 years? And, it, and I keep coming back to the idea and this sort of segues us into the, into the crypto markets, because we should, we should probably talk about those as well that have gone through yeah. a fairly similar um, period to the, to the stock market. And there's a good conversation to be had around that as well about the correlation. True. Though we we must yeah. we must we must ask Sam what is the iBeer of today? If I if you know we're looking back on oh man iBeer different era. What's the iBeer? What will we be looking back in? So that was what, um, let's say, fifteen twelve years ago. Yeah, it's not that long ago. Hmm. It's not it's not that long. Ago. How, how times change? So twelve years know, from now. It's a good question. What is the iBeer? What is the iBeer of today? What is the app? That everyone thinks is the the coolest shit ever, but is actually going to be look going to look dated as hell in twelve <laughs> years time. I say I'm, I'm I'm jumping onto my phone. And I'm looking at I'm looking at all the apps I've got, and you know I've actually got a relatively small number of apps on my home screen. I like to I, I like to operate a minimalist approach to my uh, yep. and I mean everything's got an app, but I I don't know. I don't know if if there's a killer app, right? I mean, what's a what's a recent app that's done really really well? Because like the one that everyone's got to have. Because I can't actually think. Maybe that's because I'm not not paying attention. But um, is there a recent? Is there something recently that has blown the lights out in the app world, or is, um, are, are apps just too saturated now? Yeah, there are. So, so for instance. You know, maybe it's Robin Hood, man. <laughs> mm, the thing is, what Robin Hood does on the app isn't actually special to the app, to the fact it's an app. It is just the website, just on your phone. True. Um, what, what about the charts? Let's have a look at the charts. NHS app. There you go. The NHS. They look back in days' time. I think that looks dated already, mate. NHS. TikTok. TikTok is like the same uh-huh. thing. So Good maybe it's, maybe it TikTok. is a social thing. Like the the, the absolute must-have apps are things like WhatsApp, right? And for a lot of people, Instagram, TikTok, the social yeah, yeah. apps, Snapchat. Yeah, I think maybe it's those. Maybe it's those. Mm. But how how are we going to be communicating in twelve years? That's going to be so radically different. Hopefully, not a fucking TikTok. Yeah, <laughs> one would hope. One would hope. The metaverse, man. It'll be the metaverse, right? <laughs> That's the new social. That's the TikTok of ten years time. A, a, mm. a metaverse app that you just go in and and you do your funky little shit dance live in, in front of your metaverse pals. Yeah, there were all those during lockdown. Remember, there were all those TikTok uh, nurses, all these nurses dancing in hospitals. Oh, they, they all went viral and whatever. Yeah, See, it'd probably that, a lot easier in the metaverse. Maybe then it? you could have like an artificial hospital around it. And like the. <laughs> Oh no, I've got the COVID. I'm just going to step into the metaverse to get cured. 
Um, mm. I um, so it was, so it was, there's a couple of things about the metaverse. Like I have a fuck. I hate I hate how it's talked about at the moment. Like everyone's like, oh the metaverse, oh the metaverse, oh metaverse. It's like it's 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 re- it really is. Somebody asked on Twitter th- th- today. They're like, can somebody explain for me simply what is the metaverse in simple English? Like it's Sim City for millennials, and <laughs> that's pretty much what it is. But the graphics are shitter. Um, <laughs> I think I think in all honesty, I think there is a, there is something in a virtual world um social scene that will very much become a staple way of life but it's um there is no metaverse that's just you're just describing the internet if you try and bundle it all in as one there'll be many metaverses like there's many social media apps today there'll just be a different a different visual interaction um than probably what we see now um, so yeah. I think that's probably what it ends up as. That 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 that's how it evolves. I think at least. I, I think. Uh, I think there's actually. I'm wondering what form this is going to take. But I, I I really, I do believe that at some point in the next ten years, there's going to be. We've already seen a bit of it already. You know, everyone was like, everyone hated on Facebook after 2016 because they blow. You know, well, a certain, a certain you know, you know, group of people in society who like thought, you know, I, we know better than everybody. Brexit and Trump only happened because of Facebook and yeah. from you know Russian hackers buying yeah. ads or something. <laughs> um, and there was a bit of backlash against Facebook after that, right? Yeah. Uh, but and everyone hates Facebook now. So, you know, hating on Zuckerberg and whatever. Uh, and, you know, uh, we've, as we've already said in on Triple B before, uh, like I think, you know, Meta, the, the rebrand of Facebook to Meta is like one of the worst rebrands ever. But that said, I think in the next 10 years, we're actually going to get a proper backlash against technology, smart technology in, in general, which includes smartphones. And I was just wondering what, I think it might, you know, you see now where uh, you know people go out to dinner and they, you know, they, they everyone's on their phones and whatever. Mm. I think it may become like really quite uh, socially incorrect to have your phone out in any kind of social situation. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I wonder which, what age of people would be behaving like that. Whether or not this is like the Zoomer revolt, or whether or not this is just elderly millennials who realize they're copiously addicted to like notifications i think, I, want, I don't I, know which it is i think it'll be i think it'll be it'll be the the next generation of of you can't call them boomers but it'll be you know it'll be people the like, militant zoomer people like me when i turn 60 that'll be that'll be the people that turn against it but i think i mean if you're a digital native and you've only ever known a world that exists with smartphones and fucking social media and things like that try taking that away from those people that's literally like taking away their entire fucking source of endorphins <laughs> and it is literally trying to, to trying to cold turkey them off of the drug and you you, you can't you, you just can't do it you cannot take that away from those people I don't. I, you I, can, like, I like you the concept. Can, Sam, you just need a will. You need the will. Well, I think the only way you do that is then to. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe it comes in a socialist state. Maybe what they all want, they can get, and then that, then they'll realize that all it does is actually take away all the freedoms that they, they thought, um, were were so against them. So maybe, maybe we should. Maybe the world. Maybe we should. Maybe we should put some socialists into power just to prove the point of how shit it's going to be. Well, this ties back, I think, uh, not, not so much the, the socialist di- dictator side, but I think this ties back a bit to uh, 
similarly in the next 10 years, I think the internet's just going to go off for varying durations of time. Uh, like within, Yeah, like Kazakhstan, for example. But in developed nations, uh, which have just gotten completely used to it so whether or not so if you are completely hooked on your phone for uh, your endorphins and your dopamine hit uh well sorry buddy um you know the internet doesn't work uh, and it won't work for a week you won't know how long it won't work for so those guys are going to be in real trouble so if you you know if you're raising your kids and you're letting them get completely hooked on this stuff um you know you should you should definitely try and limit their use as much as you can i would say yeah well i'm so there's this there could be something interesting in that is, is it maybe this is this is the dystopian to the utopian vienna keller lager i'm doing at the moment is that um so let's say let's hypothetically say a big old war kicks off um in let's say pick a place in the world for example ukraine and um very <laughs> and original all of, sudden, choice, Sam. all of a sudden is that is that in order to fight this war uh, the powers that be, the the allied forces of places like the United Kingdom, the United States, um, they need a lot of computing resources, a lot of communication resources, to to use their cyber and their their connected and their wireless um, yeah, uh, vehicles and, and 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 fighting missiles, whatever the fuck they use. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But in order to do that, they need to consume a lot of the internet's power. And that in doing so, the average citizen has to be rationed of their mm. internet. So that for the greater good, Sam. For the greater good, to fight the evil powers of the Soviet, the new Soviet Union, is we have to be rationed on our internet. A, a bit like, you know, when you're Keep on a phone mind. plan, you've only got like two gig of data for the month and you're like 1.99 gig and you're like ah i'm fucked i don't i don't have one of those plans anymore but that's what they used to be like or i don't know like some people oh, remember, have yeah. to they have to like go to the to the off license to like pay for their like electricity or something like that yeah, yeah, yeah if you don't if you don't go and fill up your ration then that's it like imagine 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 being rationed for the internet yeah, I mean, we already, I, I, you know, further to what you're saying, Sam, I mean, people were already used to that. So maybe that'll make it even more easy for the government to enforce it. Remember when you had so many texts that you could send and how many minutes of uh, like minutes of phone time you could get? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so many ways we could go with that, Sam, because similarly, you know, during periods of like rationing, like so during the war, there's that big story about how there's a big propaganda effort in the UK to uh, scrap your, uh, you know, your pans, any steel, any, any metal that you can oh, get. Right that you had around the house in order to build a new Spitfire. And the whole thing was, um, you know, there, there were all these posters that put up everywhere. You know, you know, volunteer all of your scrap metal and it'll help build a new Spitfire during the Battle of Britain. And I believe this carried on for a while as well. But, you know, I, I forget the specifics. But in the end, it wasn't, there wasn't actually, they couldn't use that metal. So it was actually just propaganda effort. But everyone thought that they were contributing to it, which helped with morale because you know they were making a sacrifice, but they knew that they were doing it. Well, they Sounds thought they were doing like it for the greater good. On your doorstep and clap at five o'clock each night. Mm, maybe, 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 <laughs> Sam. I I couldn't possibly comment on that. But I can imagine in a similar in a similar way. You you know you can only scroll Instagram for five minutes tonight. Okay, but don't worry, you're helping us beat the commies or mm. whatever. You know. Um, I think, you know, the, the rationing idea of it, 
I do think, Sam, when you talk about, you know, the military needs to use bandwidth or whatever. I mean, the, the internet started off as a military network. I'm pr- like, they've already got their own networks for all of the things that they need to do. It never, it never ends up using uh, like civilian internet. Well, did you did you hear the story that with this this rollout in the U of five G in the US that a bunch of airlines had cancelled flights because um, with some a particular model of Boeing's I think it's the seven 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 that they had serious concerns that the five G network rollout would interfere with the instrumentation on the seven seven seven. No, I've not heard that story. Yeah, and I, 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 found that, I found that astonishing because I was like, because there are some issues around spectrum use for 5G. I know there had been some sales of things like that. And I wonder that if we do progress into more faster bandwidth, like at what point do, do we, I mean, I, I don't know the technical nature of it, but I'm sure I'll learn about it and research it. But at what point can we run out of bandwidth? Can we run out of spectrum? Is there, is there, is there, is there a finite spectrum that we can actually wirelessly connect on? This is a question for a smarter man than myself, I'm afraid, Sam. I do feel with something like GPS, uh, so you know, you know, with China and, and India both blowing up satellites to prove yeah. that they could take down the GPS system, because GPS, uh, people don't like, like really appreciate it, but like GPS, the global position system is a US military uh, application that, is, that they made free effectively for the rest of the world. And China now has its own one. They've got the full constellation, so they've got full world access. I think it's called uh, Chengdu, I think, though I could be wrong. And uh, I, but I imagine that, and you know, GPS famously has, has not been upgraded <clears throat> in terms of uh, actually maintaining it at the Pentagon for a very long period of time. So the computers they're still using are, you know, these enormous gray Dell things from like the 1980s or whatever. <laughs> running you know, running Windows Dust. XP. <laughs> no, 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 oh, way, way earlier, like 95 <laughs> or something. DOS. Um, and, yeah, yeah. Or maybe there would be, and you know, maybe that makes it more Probably. secure or something. Yeah. Like, uh, like the Kremlin only using like typewriters or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. But I imagine, I imagine, uh, considering how critical it is that the uh, there is already another constellation that's way further out that they could use or something. But that's just a that's just a theory. Hmm. Um, do you think? Here's a question for you, Sam. Do you think? In the event that we get these uh, internet blackouts uh, in the next 10 years and we've got this population because, you know, it's not just the kids, uh, you know, everyone, all the, all the boomers thought that the kids were going to be the ones on Facebook and their lives were going to, they were going to get <laughs> radicalized by Facebook. And it turned out it was actually just the boomers who got radicalized on Facebook. Like, it's not just the kids. Everyone's hooked on all this crap. We get the internet blackouts. Uh, do you think all the people who've been on this stuff uh, do you think they become, it's like more easy to, to make them like child soldiers or like boomer soldiers or whatever? Do you think they become like more easy to manipulate like that and be like, just to rile them up and send them against a, a random enemy? You would have to think that if, if the government and the military wanted to, wanted to boost uh, their numbers, wanted to really build a child soldier army, that they wouldn't be rationing the internet <laughs> and social media. It'd be a full frontal assault on TikTok. Yeah. Notifications uh, for days. And, and I think it would be, I think they would be able to subliminally conscript everybody mm. that uses those platforms Style. far yeah, easier yeah. than they ever have been. I was thinking more on the lines of local militias uh, being formed because if the internet goes down, like, like supply chains for fuel and food, are going to become enormously disrupted. Like you thought it was bad during the last year and everyone's like, oh, everyone was going for fuel and you couldn't get any. 
and there are all these big you know traffic jams because so many people are going for fuel etc 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 um like th that is a drop in the ocean compared to what happens if the internet goes down like it's well, going to become so much worse I wonder then if 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 we, if there's you know there's a redundancy and there's a boom in in microsats microsatellites and and that maybe that Elon's Starlink is actually a redundancy against the government crashing the internet. Maybe I'm sure Elon would definitely sell it that way if if such a scenario uh, turned up. Um, but I think in the more immediate term, would you like? if you had like local militias like from the, the, the taking over the council in, in certain areas would you would there be people who are just completely addicted to their phones and were just dying to get access to the internet back would they be on the front lines probably <laughs> you know what was it utopia you were uh, you you were drinking earlier Sam. yeah i've, I've got I've, utopian 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 from utopian brewery I kind of wish now I had, I'm going to buy some more, my next round, I'm going to get some more um, beers that are, that are conflicting names. Like I would love to drink a dystopia now. Um, mm. <laughs> on that note, on that note, the beers I've got today are, are uh, they, they, uh, they follow each other quite well. What's your book first? What's your second one, Sam? I'm sure, I presume you finished the utopia. Uh, yeah. So my second one is just called a premium Pilsner from free assembly. Um. And it is exactly that, a premium pilsner. Brewed in Germany for free assembly brewing. Um, it's a premium pilsner. I don't even know. It doesn't even, oh, yeah, 4.9%. Cool little label, though. It's like some oh, yeah. strange ducks with, like, alligator teeth. And it's kind of, they're all really colorful and quite abstract. And they've got, like, monster feet. Weird, but cool. Nice beer. All right. Would you care to rate the Utopia? Uh, Vienna Keller Lager. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> I'd give it an A+. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it could be worse. could be worse. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah the pair I'm drinking today uh, I is from... They're both from Abbeydale Brewery. That's Abbeydale. And I believe... Where are Abbeydale based? This is in Sheffield. Uh, Canned and Brewed in the UK by Abbeydale. And uh, yeah, this is called Heathen. The first one is called Heathen American Pale Ale. The second one has a uh, new spin on the same label. And it's called Fresh Hop Heathen American Pale Ale. So it's like a sequel to, to it. So I thought it'd be good to have them both and then I could compare. So Heathen American Pale Ale, I've already consumed it here. Uh, the flagship beer of our Brewers Emporium. Heathen is a much loved staple of the Abbeydale Brewery range. Wonderfully refreshing American style pale ale showcasing the marvelous mosaic hop. Uh, etc etc yeah and uh you know really good label it's like one of those it kind of reminds me of um it's like these old woodcut yeah. prints it's a bit like tarot cards or something you know really yeah, old old school kind of stuff um it's got like hands clasped in prayer and a nice uh the ruins of an abbey in the background uh yeah i would give that one i think a i think i would give this one an a plus uh <laughs> however fresh hop heathen is a definitely a cut above and i would give that one a b uh, which is yeah so the fresh hop heathen uh which so they've just uh, i think they well let's see the description 
For the very first time, frozen fresh hops harvested in the US have been made available to brewers here in the UK, so we couldn't resist getting a mitt on some green mosaic and putting a new twist on our much-loved American Pale Ale. So yeah, this is uh, the booth 4.1%, uh, but this one has a slightly different hop profile and tastes much better, so I'd give that one a B. Interesting. Yeah, very good. Well, we can't, we can't keep on going with this episode without having talked about the crypto market. No, <laughs> Which- no that would be illegal had its pants pulled down since what november had its really? rug pulled it was it's been rugged something chronic a a, a hive around sixty nine thousand about the start of november and it has been a downward ship through to what did we what did we get to in the last uh in the last week we got to a low a low a, a crashing devastating low of just $33,500 for Bitcoin for a single Bitcoin. I mean, it, it's it's enough to make you think that it's going to go to zero. Really. It's all going down. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I've got to say, Sam, like you said, uh, you said crypto got rugged, right? Um, and it's remarkable how little you care. If you're just in this space for long enough, yeah, like you just don't care. Like no. it just doesn't doesn't affect you no now i'm not saying that to be i don't mean that said to be uh, cruel or mean to any uh, anybody who has only recently uh, gone gotten into the crypto market and they feel very uh, you know mm. feel very upset about it or they feel uh, you know this is um, the volatility is, is simply stomach wrenching etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, you know if you're out there uh, don't worry it's uh, this is part of the course this is you know this is just a bit of turbulence as they normally say but uh, you know if you just stay here for a long enough period of time and you stay in the space and you stay interested in the space, you will realize that this kind of thing uh, actually happens very regularly oh, and God. is just part of part of the weather. Yeah. I mean, it, it hurts when, when you, you know, when your portfolio is down 50% in a matter of weeks, you know, that's not great. You don't want to see it's just that. part of the course, man. But that's that's just how it goes. That's part of the course. It's exactly. You'll love that. You've got to love that phrase. You play golf. It is. I do. I do love a good golf, uh, a good golf piece of golf terminology. And um, such a boomer. But like re- relatively, right? Like you know, when we ah, uh, we should. I should go back to our first couple of episodes and see where we're at. But like, I think it was right ten thousand dollars maybe back then. I see. That would have been. That was during the first lockdown, and it was quite. I think it was. What was it about? Kind of springtime. Was it like May or June? Oh, I'm looking at the numbers now. It was sub ten thousand. Oh so yeah, like wow. The bottom, the bottom in March. Holy had, shit! Had had scraped at like three thousand, right? So yeah, yeah, I remember that. From yeah. like mid March 2020, when coronavirus shit just kicked off, the market is still now. Less than two years later, the Bitcoin, Bitcoin in particular. If you just just we'll just talk about Bitcoin specifically, uh, it's 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 fucking ten x in under two years like people get a grip <laughs> it's, it's... well as you say as you say something you say it's painful um i remember you know one of the one of the predictions i'm probably i'm probably the most proud of that, I've, uh, that i ever made was in it was i was i wrote it in november and i think it was released in december of 2019 where i said that bitcoin is going to reach uh bitcoin goes going to have an enormous bull market in 2020 and it's going to uh reach new all-time highs and that was published in uh, the Fleet Street letter in yeah December 2019. And you know, I remember in March where I was like, "Oh man, I look like a fucking idiot." <laughs> and then you know, 
it, it still ended up being true, uh, which was remarkable. And it makes you wonder, oh man, did coronavirus actually make this true because everyone was staying at home and everyone was getting high on technology? Would I actually have been wrong if coronavirus had arrived? And of course, you'll never know, but um, it does make you wonder. Yeah, I wonder if current if the whole coronavirus thing was good or or bad for the overall for all for all markets really. I mean, what does the yeah. what does, what do, what does the world sliding doors? You know, fucking China doesn't release a man-made virus into the world. Yeah, what what do we look like now? Do we? I don't think I don't think we see in in all markets the. Oh, certainly not. They look at like the Russell two thousand. I mean, yeah, yeah, brutal. Uh, like the overwhelming majority of constituents there, it has not been a nice time. Yeah. Um, yeah but it's, again, uh, time uh, like it's it, again, it's that age old investment, uh, you know, phrase. It's it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. I, I don't know, man. I <laughs> that's one of the funny things because I mean, if you if you just gotten in and then gotten out, you'd feel quite differently, right. Yeah, but that's the point, right? Is I think you, you gotta, you gotta people gotta temper their approach. It's just to the something like the crypto markets. It's like you, if you think if you're new to the space, and you're just like I'm, I'm gonna go in and just gonna trade this market and make a fortune. That's like me rolling up to the next fucking PGA Tour event and going, I've played a bit of golf in my time. I'm just gonna come here and win. It's like, no, you're not. That's that's not happening. Like hundred percent, that's just not happening. But if you know, I start early enough and I practice hard enough and get used to it and understand the mechanics of the swing and you know practice a lot and and, and have a little bit of luck on my side as well, then maybe I crack it into the top one hundred and I can make a living out of it. But you don't just roll into something you've never seen in your life before. That's fucking hard. That you know not a lot of people actually have huge, you know, eye-watering greatest of all time success in, um, and mm. then just expect to be able to smash it and, and, and walk in and out within a, within a year with an absolute fucking fortune. So people need to temper their expectations of a market like this. To be fair, part of the issue is social media, uh, <laughs> that, that you get bombarded with nothing but success stories. And look, in order to get heard, sometimes you need to, you know, show people the great things that can be achieved in this market and great things can be achieved in this market, particularly compared to the stock market. It's kind of like a stock market on, on, the, on the juice, on the Barry Bonds juice. But, um, you know, you've just got to temper your expectations. Understand that, yeah. it, that the, from, from my perspective, the best approach is always long term. Um, it hasn't failed so far with that view. I think I hope key. it doesn't. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I mean, ultimately, we don't know the future. So, saying long term from now is something that we can't. That no. it's you know, it's, it's impossible. It's something you can only have conviction in, rather than uh, you know, no. Yeah, of course. I do, uh, but I do, further to what you were saying, Sam, about uh, you need. To, it's like you showing up to the PGA tour. Um, that's one of the things. Like some people just, if you if you have a, a few quick wins. Some people just think like, oh man, I'm an expert. Uh, yeah. When I was back in Aberdeen, I actually spoke to a family friend of mine and uh, she's not, she's not you know, massively you know, crypto, crypto knowledgeable or anything, but it turned out her brother had made some money in crypto and then like borrowed, like not borrowed, like it was, uh, it was like, you know, um, you know, invested on behalf of their parents on into, into crypto. And like this guy was, you know, had no, 
no expertise in this and he just lost the money and it kills me inside when i hear stuff like that it kills me inside it's like that is that is like it's bad for the family it's shameful behavior it makes everyone look bad and it's just Oh, it's just stupid. Further, just furthermore stupid. to that, then what, what that also does is that then turns everybody in from, from them and the circle and the ripple effect out of that. All of a sudden says, oh, no, well, this is just something that it's that you, you people will get stitched on. It's a Ponzi. And, and it, there's this ripple effect, which is what, you know, you still get a lot of people thinking is that it's just a it's just a scammer's market. It's just greater fool theory and stuff like that. It's like, well, no, it's just that you, if, if you're it's just a wild west. It's still a wild west. Yeah, to an extent. I mean, you, you, like fucking Gemini just got a FinSec license um, so that they can operate as a prime broker and shit in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's an element of Wild West and there's an element of things actually progressing pretty well. But when when you hear stories like that, where someone just goes and get fucking wrecked their whole family, um, yeah, you know, that doesn't help. No, but that happens in the stock market too well no maybe it does not. it does no it does it, that definitely does happen in the stock market as well but i think it's it's just easier in crypto because the gains are such that can be made in the short term that make people think that they're a genius when they're not yeah um but I, you know, sam i think i think the the wild west metaphor still still holds because it's still a wild frontier but yes there are these civilizing forces that are encroaching on it so gemini getting that finzec license it's just like there's an outpost now that's close, that's you know on the edge of the Wild West and going into it, where people, where there's like the military is now. But there's still all these fringes out there where most of the crazy action happens. You know, the crazy action doesn't really happen on Gemini. If, um, if, if we're going to continue that analogy, though, and I, I don't mind it because out of the Wild West became, you know... <laughs> civilization you know and a lot of innovation you know the the, the railroads and the development of um you know a complete network that connected a a world and and trade and transport and communications and a whole bunch of shit i mean it i i I, I don't know what your answer would be but is is that is that what we we should look is that what is comes from here is that that at some point it doesn't become the wild west anymore Mm, that's a good question i think um that's the thing so like in, in certain areas in what was the wild west it still is the wild west right there are yeah. areas in in you know the, in the west or you yeah, know if you we get we stick to the u.s i mean i can cheat here and say alaska right where <laughs> any anything could happen to you man like you could get shot and killed by something like no one would ever even find you right you get eaten by a bear and you just disappear um so i think i would say there's always going to be elements of that and the internet Thanks to the internet, the, the like the the Wild West never really ends unless someone turns it off, it's which is just as in the we've deep been web. we've been discussing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think uh, I think so, the Wild West it will never end, but you will you will see these, you know, coin. I see. So you think Coinbase is going to be one of the big pillars of the of the the future of finance, right? Yeah, I, I think I think they will. I think they'll be a very dominant force <clears throat> for so, for least the next sort of i think for a very long time i think you what you will find is they will end up with a banking license eventually yes no and i'd agree with you right but similar to the way it, way it all went down in the wild west like it wasn't necessarily a good thing that it got domesticated uh, i would say mm. um a lot of great you know enormous economic growth came out of the wild west when you had things like wildcat banks 
yeah, which were uh, lending money when they really shouldn't have been, but it ended up financing all of this growth all over the place. And I think that, that was actually very good. That was what allowed the Wild West to become this enormous place of fortune. There was vast amounts of you know, treasure out there. Uh, and we are seeing something, if we're going to continue the metaphor, you can kind of still see that in, in uh, the crypto space every day because you get all these projects where they're doing something very innovative and new with blockchain technology or not even blockchain technology in a lot of places. Yeah. Uh, but you still find that in the crypto space. Uh, but similarly, you know, there were, there were, the Wild West did die. And the, the reason why everyone has this romantic fascination with it is because it had these qualities which you don't get anymore. Mm. And I think as you get the encroachment of the likes of Gemini and Coinbase and they hoover up more of the space, you will lose a lot of the magic there. And ultimately, you will lose a lot of the, the incredible speculative gains everyone, everyone's in the space for. Yep. Right? Yep. The more domesticated this becomes, the less savage it is. And, uh, but people, you know, there's, a, there's a romantic nature to the savageness of it, which in this case is represented by enormous green and then enormous red candles. Yeah, I mean, you're right. You know, if, if Coinbase is tomorrow's JP Morgan or whatever, that was, I'm sure, yeah. you know, they were, you know, one of the, the early, uh, earliest uh, investment banks. Are they, are they the oldest investment bank in the world? Uh, no, I don't think they're the oldest. I mean, they're the largest bank now, but JP Morgan, they were originally American, British uh, sort of transatlantic trade. But they were, de you know, they're definitely, uh, what was it, John like Peabody Morgan? or uh, and then, Wells then Fargo get, have like, got John that fucking cart as their logo. That must make them old. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, you're right. I think you're right. The domestication of it does. It'll, it'll soak up some of the magic for sure. And some of the, the speculative mania, which and is good that... and bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, in the, at the end of the day, in like, you know, 30 years time, when we're on booze, booms, and busts, like maybe uh, 420, then, uh, you know, well, that's not, that, number one, that's not going to be in four, in 30 years' time. <laughs> That'll probably be by the end of the decade. Yeah. But, uh, you know, once we once we get further along the line and we're having this discussion, probably you and I, if we've actually made it that far and, you know, dopamine addiction, we didn't die as a result of, uh, you know, endorphin withdrawal after the great internet blackouts of the 2020s. <laughs> if we've actually made it that far, we didn't, we managed to, uh, you know, escape the, the, you know, the like mass starvation caused by all the internet going down, et cetera. If we actually make it that far, you and I shall, you know, discuss the good old days, you know, when it was, when it was really wild a wild west, it was the frontier when, where when great walk... fortunes could be discovered. When we'd walk into one of the early metaverse, and if you didn't belong, the music would stop, and everyone, the piano player would sit, everyone turn around and look at you with their avatar, with their avatar apes, just staring at you with their laser eyes. What's the closest thing to the saloon in the metaverse? You know, to a Wild West saloon in the metaverse? Probably, a, probably a saloon. I'm sure someone's built one. Or if yeah. not, if anyone's listening, they've got some land in. Um, Decentraland or something, just go and build a saloon and we'll go hang out. Maybe we'll do a booms, booze and bust from, from someone's saloon in uh, Decentraland. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Why not? Um, I mean, yeah, I think, yeah. Okay, here's a quick question. Uh, as we are winding up now, we, have, uh, we, are, we are making it to the end of our normal slot. But do you think, do you think we're actually out of the weeds with COVID and lockdowns? I think in the UK we are, yeah. You don't I, think I, they're going to do something else? I think that they cannot now even try and enforce a lockdown on the British public. It just, just with all this shit that's gone on with them, 
having all these parties and shit at number 10 while everyone was fucking locked down and fined and threats of jail and all this horrible shit. And they're sharing birthday cakes and sausage rolls. The rules that apply for them did not apply for the rest of the UK and everyone now can see it for themselves. And that shit is never going to fly again. Um, So yeah, no, I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening again. And uh, as for COVID, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. There's lots of diseases and shit flying around all the time. So it's probably not going away. But like, like they say, you learn to live with this. You learn to live with this shit. Um, and I think pretty much everyone's fucking had it now. So. Oh, I bloody well hope so, Sam. You know, do you remember those? Um, it was a, there was that news story. I think it was in 2020 about. Uh, those girls who went for coffee in this park and it was like 15 miles away or something and they ended up getting arrested oh, or fined right. as yeah. a result of it yeah imagine how they feel now yeah I, I would love to know what their feelings were now that we've got all these uh the birthday cake celebrations I, I there was a tweet online and i think it was on the exact day that they had this birthday party for um bojo at number 10 and this guy tweeted um the government and asked if if he could have, you know, if he could meet up with a certain amount of, it was like a legitimate question. Can I, you know, he wasn't sure. Can I do this? And they were just, the re- reply from the government was, no, you can't do it. Um, you know, the strict rules apply. You must stay at home. You cannot socialize. And at the exact same time, the government yeah. was having a fucking party with 30 of them and some light drinks and cake and shit. And it's like that. It just sums up exactly the state of affairs, not just in this country, but globally. There are two sets of rules. And uh, they are, do not apply equally to all. And, and people can now see that shit for themselves. So it's, it's happened forever and everyone's really known about it, but not really seen it thrown in their face. And now it's thrown and thrust into their faces. And it's just like, well, fuck them. Well, there you have it, folks. That was <laughs> Booze, Booms and Busts, episode 71. I think we'll, uh, we'll end it there. Uh, thank you to all who have tuned in. Uh, we have been, uh, yeah, uh, this one does come a little later than we would normally do. Uh, sadly, you know, we can't, we can't always try, try and get them on time because we have uh, crazy schedules and Sam's got two kids, which, uh, as I'm sure most can understand, is, uh, you know, often gets in the way of doing a little boozy podcast. However, <laughs> we shall endeavor to carry on with our normal schedule in future. And uh, yeah, that's all from us for this week. So we shall see you next time. Have a very good one and we'll see you then.